Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa, And everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So, if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So, if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll put it all together for you. So, let's get started. Today, we are... um, in Isaiah, first chapter, we'll be putting in at verse uh, 19 down to chapter 2, um, down to uh, verse 22. So that um, we'll be finishing out the, the second chapter of Isaiah. Now, again, Isaiah, sometimes called the fifth epistle. You know, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament pointing to Jesus Christ, and you've got Isaiah, um, almost like as powerful as these other fellows in the New Testament pointing to Jesus. It's just one of the uh, deep uh, books of the Old Testament Bible uh, and quoted so many times by Jesus when um, when um, during his ministry. So we'll be putting in at verse 19, but I wanted to start just a couple of uh, verses just before that. He's talking about... Um, this vision from God, Isaiah is now giving this vision that he's received from God. It is he's saying he's uh, this is a vision, and uh, so he's uh, he's been laying out God's um, um, rebuke against the the kingdom of Judah. Uh, you know, now as you remember, the Israel, uh, the nation of Israel, was a northern kingdom. Um, Israel in this southern kingdom they called Judah, and in this southern kingdom that's where Jerusalem was as well. So um, he's rebuking uh, now the southern kingdom, Judah, because the northern kingdom was already uh, corrupt, but uh, the southern kingdom now um, was becoming more corrupt. As well, so he's been rebuking them. Now he's at the end. He's offering to. Um, he's saying, you know, if you guys would just repent, if you would just turn away from your uh, evil nature, uh, he still appeals to the people, even though he's accusing them in their wickedness. And all by all accounts, he should reject all of these people. But again, he says in verse sixteen, as we'll say, he says, "Wash yourselves." Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. 
Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. They are, Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword, for the, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So, we see um, references to that. Uh, being uh, washed and appearing as white as snow. We see that even forward, this forward prophecy of Isaiah, even is looking forward to Revelation. In Revelation chapter 7, verses 14, he said, I said to him, Sir, you know, and he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the land. So this reference to even those in the end times, he is saying um, they have washed their robes um, and made them, their robes being dirty with sin, um, they shall be white as snow. They're even like they're red like crimson, they shall become they should become like wool, like white wool. Okay? So this is a sort of this metaphor of washing away one's sin, even in the very end. Now, again, we're, we'll put in at, at verse 21, how the faithful city has become a whore. She who was full of justice, righteousness, has lodged in her, but now she murders. Talking about uh the uh, Judah, the southern kingdom, talking about the faithful city, uh, Jerusalem, has become now unfaithful. Your silver has become dross, your best wine mixed with water. Your princes are rebels and, and uh, companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and runs after gifts. They do not bring justice to the fatherless, and the widow's cause does not come to them. Okay, so the orphans... And the widows, our, our society just doesn't take care of them anymore. Um, there's no justice even for the weak people here. Um, there's corruption. There's bribery. There's thievery. Um, there's really nothing pure. Verse 24, um, Therefore the Lord declares, The Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel. You know, look at this introduction. The Lord declares, um, and this is L, little O-R-D, uh, and then um, that is usually referenced to Jesus. Uh, then the L, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, the Lord of hosts, that's a reference to God. And the mighty one of Israel uh, referenced God. And the interesting thing is here is he declares ah, and that ah is a sign of kind of a grieving, you know, uh, that's a, it's a cry of pain and grief, you know, it's an emotional claim ah, I will get relief from my enemies and avenge myself on my foes. So he's calling his own people, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, is calling his own people, his own children. His enemies and his foes. 
And it's, it's because of their behavior, not because of his behavior. It's because of their behavior. So now we go from this section of uh, appealing to them to be cleansed from their evil ways and that there's no way out uh, other than God's way. Okay, now he's back to warning them. He will get relief, and he will avenge himself, okay? Because they, his people, when they turn against him, they pit themselves against him. Verse 25, I will turn my hand against you and will smelt away your dross as with lyre and remove all your alloy. Dross, um, the reference to that in verse um uh, 25 is when they're making metal. It's a reference to sort of the uh, the impurities when they make a metal, and it's sort of the waste product. Um, when when they um, when they were working with tin, lead, zinc, or aluminum, or something like that, and they um, melt it to try to form different you know tools and things like that. The impurities. Uh, would float on the surface, and then they'd have to scrub that away. So he would say, I will smelt away your impurities uh, um, and remove all your alloy. Um, I will restore... So it's just a reference to removing what is unclean or impure. Verse 26, I will restore your judges as the first and your counselors as at the beginning. Afterwards, you shall be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. So in other words, he's saying he's going to get rid of all this impurity and he's going to restore the righteousness of the city. Zion shall be redeemed by justice and those in her who repent by righteousness. Now Zion is a reference. It's this uh, mountain, this temple mount where God wants to reestablish his kingdom. It's the, uh, uh, I believe that they call it Mount Zion. But also, it's another reference to when, when God reestablishes his kingdom, he'll, he calls it Zion as well. So, kind of a Several different meanings. There's sort of a meaning like during the past, um, and then during the the Mount Zion, the present, we have it today. But then there's this forward reference to that when this location will be where God has chosen to reestablish His kingdom, where Jesus will come and reestablish His authority. Verse 28, But rebels and sinners shall be broken together, and those who forsake the Lord shall be consumed, for they shall be ashamed of the oaks that you desire. Or the, or I think the oaks is a reference to um, the idols that people desired. And you shall blush for the gardens that you have chosen. So these these different things that um, people uh, were uh, considering of value, um, you're going to be ashamed of those things, and you'll blush. For what you've, the decisions that you've made, you know, you're going to be ashamed. For you shall, this is verse 30, for you shall be like an oak whose leaf withers and like a garden without water. The things that you think are, are, are important, the things that you think are uh, causing you to be real prideful in, they're all going to wither 
everything, as we've said before, everything is a dead end. And the garden that you plant, what you think is is uh, the life that you've lived, is like a garden without water. It's just going to be completely dead. It's going to dry up. It's going to wither. There's no, There's nothing that man has put his faith in, not his power, his prestige, his military might, his political thinking, his scientific thinking, um, man-made religion like the asceticisms, um, all of those thinkings that man has come up with, just like we studied in when we looked at Ecclesiastes, all of that will be just like a garden without water, uh, a tree whose leaf withers. Verse 31, And the strong shall become tender, and his work a spark. In other words, it's just going to dry up and just be something like it will be consumed in a second. And both of them shall burn together with None to quench them. So all of those works, they're going to go. So now uh, that ends chapter 1. So we'll jump into chapter 2. And it's sort of another uh, sort of a vision here. This another prophecy is talking about the last days. Ver, uh, uh, verse 1, chapter 2. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord, this is God's kingdom, this mountain, shall be established as the highest of the mountains. In other words, the kingdom of God, when it's reestablished on earth, is going to be uh, over all kingdoms and shall be lifted up above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths. So in other words, it's, this is looking forward to God's kingdom. And every nation shall come to it. In other words, uh, this is forward thinking that, that it's not going to be just about the Jews. It's going to be about all people of the world because God made all the people of the world and he wants to teach all people his paths and remember Jesus said in John chapter 14 verse 6 I am the way I am the truth and I am the life he is the way and this way is in in verse 3 is talking about that is talking about walking in his way walking in his path for out of Zion shall go the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem he shall judge between the nations. He shall decide disputes for many people. And there shall, they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. So this is referencing a time where Jesus is coming and they, it, he will be instructing people and he will be... Um, Establishing his kingdom and judging the nations, um, and there will apparently there will be a, a um, there will be a, a learning period here where people will um, they will uh, he will be allowed or he will he there will be a point where he will have the opportunity to judge and settle a lot of these disputes. Judgment will be coming for people. Verse 5, O house of Jacob, come, let us walk together in the light of the Lord. 
So McGee is emphasizing that only God can bring peace. Man cannot rule. And it's folly to think that all of these institutions that we have, even today, um, that supposedly will allow nations to get along, they cannot. They cannot get along. Only the Lord will be able to show the nations how to get along. Verse 6, For ye have rejected your people, the house of Jacob. Okay, now he's saying the day of the Lord comes because God is rejecting Judah's pride, the idolatries, the oppression. Okay? So God is going to be against prideful man because... uh, in verse 6, continuing, because they are full of things from the east and of the fortune tellers like the Philistines, and they strike their hands with the children of foreigners. Their land is filled with silver and gold. There's no end to their treasures, and their land is filled with horses, and there's no end to their chariots, and their land is filled with idols, and they bow down to the work of their hands. So what their own fingers have made. Okay, look at all the things that they put their faith in. Look at all the things that they they valued more than God's ways. So man is humbled, and each one is brought low. Do not forgive them. Even Isaiah at this point is sort of saying he's given up on his own sinful generation. Enter into the rock and hide in the dust from before the terror of the Lord and from the splendor of His majesty. When God comes, it is going to be so powerful to just just being in His presence is uh, terrifying in His Majesty, and so we have we we have such a low appraisal of Him. I think sometimes today, how powerful, how majestic He is in His glory. And we we sort of take him down from the pedestal he should be on above every aspect of our life. And if we only could regard the majesty of the Father, of our Father God, and of Jesus Christ in his glory, if we only could re- relate to that, we would probably worry a lot less we would probably be a lot less stressed out and we would probably be a lot more attuned to walking in his ways but we don't we generally put our own uh, agendas above that and he's saying this generation is so bad and is so over the top don't they're not even worth forgiving Verse 11, the haughty looks of man shall be brought low, and the lofty pride of men shall be humbled. And the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. So God is against prideful man, for sure. God hates pride. And uh, for the Lord of hosts has a day against all that is proud and lofty, against all, all that is lifted up, and, and it shall be brought low. Against all of the cedars of Lebanon, lofty and lifted up. This again is another reference of pride. And against all the oaks of Bashan. And against all the lofty mountains. Lofty mountains would be maybe a reference to governments, other governments. Because God's 
um, kingdom will be the highest mountain, the highest government. And against all the uplifted hills, against every high tower, and against every fortified wall, against the ships of Tarshish, and against the, all the beautiful craft, you know, all the military powers and all the might of man, he's going to be against all that because they're all too prideful. And the haughtiness of man, this is man's pride, shall be humbled. And the lofty pride of men shall be brought low. And the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. And the idols shall utterly pass away. These are the false religions. And the people shall enter the caves of the rocks and the holes of the ground. In other words, that's what it's worth. From before the terror of the Lord and from the splendor of his majesty when he rises to terrify the earth. In that day, mankind will cast away their idols of silver and their idols of gold, which they made for themselves to worship, to the moles and to the bats. That's where all that stuff belongs. And to enter the caverns of the rocks and the clefts of the cliffs from before the terror of the Lord and from the splendor of his majesty when he rises to terrify the earth. When God comes back to establish his kingdom, the the pride, the sin, the separateness from God shall be terrified. The, the nature of man that is separate from God shall see his majesty and be terrified. On the day of the Lord. So this is this is the power and the awe that is coming on that day to rectify the wrongs. Verse 22. Stop regarding. This is Isaiah again. Stop regarding man in whose nostrils is breath. <clears throat> For what account is he? So he's saying stop having confidence in anything man can put together. The only thing in his nostrils is just breath of air. And, you know, that is like vanity. That's in Ecclesiastes. All is vanity because we're just a mere breath. And the only breath in our nostrils is what God breathed into Adam to give Adam life. That's God's breath in us. God gave us life through his breath. Okay? Well, what account are we? So I hope this uh, is is helpful and encouraging to you to know that even in the midst of all this, God was calling on His people to, re- to repent, to turn from your sinful ways, to be washed clean, to be, let sin be white as snow, white as wool of a lamb, pure. Um, God can do that. God wants to do that through Jesus Christ. So Isaiah is looking forward not only to to that, but to re, um, but to look forward to the coming of Jesus Christ one day to reestablish His kingdom above all kingdoms. So I hope this is helpful and encouraging to you that we have a God that loves us so much, and that is willing to 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 lay down His life to rectify all our wrongs. It's a gift of love. So, for me to all of you, uh, we'll stop here and we'll take up tomorrow uh, as we continue our journey through Isaiah. So, for me to all of you, again, God bless you. I'll see you next time and I'll turn the podcast over now to my co-host from Zambia, Matali. Take it away.
Hello, so today's teaching is coming from Isaiah chapter 1 verses 19 um, all the way to verse 31 and chapter 2 verses 1 through to verse 22. So um, today my main take from um, um, today's teaching is, um, you know, where as, um, you know, a child of God, where as man today, uh, you put your confidence. Don't put your confidence in man. Um, you know, today there's so many things that exclude God, um, and Christ Jesus out of, um, of our lives. Um, and people tend to put a lot of confidence in man, in, um, political governments, in, um, and, um, you know, in science and technology in commerce and art in all these things. And they actually exclude Jesus, um, out of it. So, um, put your confidence in Jesus today because, um, you know, uh, the Lord Jesus will be exalted, will be exalted when he actually comes. And, um, you know, you do not know the day when you're going to die. And if you don't have Jesus in your heart, um, well, that's a bigger problem. So verse 19 and uh, 20 of chapter one, um, looks at the government of God and the grace of God. So, um, you know, in the previous, uh, verses, God had actually said, come, let us reason together, you know, um, despite, um, you know, all these nations, um, you know, um, alas, you know, in verse, in, in verse four of chapter one says, alas, sin for nation, um, a people laden with iniquity, uh, you know, a brood of evildoers, but God also goes on to say, come now and let us reason together because our God is full of, um, you know, he's full of grace. So, um, this looks at the government and the grace of God. And, um, so chapter 19 goes on to read, if you are willing and obedient, you shall Eat the good of the land, but if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, um, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So God, our God is a reasonable God. You know, these um, chapters look at, um, you know, despite us being rebellious as his children, you know, we go against God, but he is willing to actually reason with us because, you know, if our God didn't have that much grace, he'll literally just snap us out of, of existence and, you know, we go in, um, you know, into eternal damnation. But, you know, God is a God of second chances. Um, he's waiting for us. You know, he keeps on knocking on our doors, the doors of our heart. He is waiting for us. Um, he wants to reason with us. So he, he's saying, if you are willing, so it's out of willingness. God wants us to do it willingly as, 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 as um, you know, as, um, as his children. Um, so verse 21 goes on to read, um, for oh, how the faithful city has become a harlot. It is full of justice. It is, it, it was full of justice, righteousness lodged in it, but now murderers, your silver has become dross, your wine mixed with water, your princes are rebellious and, uh, companions of thieves. Everyone loves bribes and follows, um, after rewards um, they do not defend the fatherless nor um, the cause of the widow. So here, um, you know, this is how, um, you know, how the cities have become faithless, um, faithless in God. And, um, you know, from verse 28, from verse 24, God is issuing a warning um, to how faithless these cities have actually become. So therefore, the Lord says, the Lord um, of hosts the mighty one of Israel. Ah, I will rid myself of my adversaries and take vengeance on my enemies. I will turn my hand against you and thoroughly purge away your dross and take away your alloy 
um, I will restore your judges at the uh, as at the first um, and your counselors as at the beginning afterwards you shall be called the city of righteousness and faith and the faithful city Zion shall be redeemed with justice and her uh, penitents with righteousness the destruction of the transgressors and the sinners shall be put together and those who forsake the lord shall be consumed so this is a warning you know against um you know all evildoers and transgressors um the lord has put out a warning he is reasoning with us right now and um he's a god of second chances but um you know time keeps moving every day you know the lord is calling us um to him so um verse 29 goes on to read for they shall be um, ashamed of the terebinth tree which they have um, desired, and sh- you shall be embarrassed because the gardens which because of the gardens which you have chosen. So this is talking about idolatry. Um, you know they put their idols, um, you know, around oak trees, and gardens were planted around them. So um, scripture goes on to read: um, For you shall be as a terebinth whose whose leaves fade. And as a garden that has no water, and the strong shall be as tinder, and the work of it as a spark, both will burn together, and no one shall quench them. So, um, you know, God, our God is a God of grace, and he doesn't lose his temper, and it's like he's been misrepresented a lot, like, you know, he's a God of wrath and loses his temper. God doesn't lose his temper. You know, it's, it's, um... You know, sin, you know, as Pastor J.B. McGee put it, um, if you put a spark to sin, fire will follow. So um, if you sin, you know, judgment will come. So, you know, whatever you sow, you shall reap. If you sow sin, you shall reap the, you know, the judgment that comes with it. So, um, you know, at the end of, at the end of it all, you know, you, you have, they're talking about all these, um, um, Terebnith trees, you know, the idols that are hidden in all these Terebnith trees. Whatever you hide in the dark will surely come out in the in the thingy, in the in the light. And um, you know, as the Lord has put it, the strong shall be as tender, and the work of it as a spark. Both will burn together, and um, no one will quench it. So you know, whatever you do, God's not mocked. Um, you shall reap whatever you um you actually sow. So moving on to chapter two, um of Isaiah, um, this is the prophecy of the last days, um, the kingdom of the great tribulation. So it looks beyond the time of the church. So, um, it's speaking, um, of all the 12 tribes of Israel. So, um, it's, it's, it looks at the great tribulation, um, after the church is taken out of this, um, earth. So, um, verse two reads, now I shall come, now it shall come to pass in the la in the last days, that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. So um, here, you know, the last days, it pertains to the spirituality of apostasy and the last days begins with um, the great tribulation and it actually ends with the coming of Christ. So during the great tribulation, the church will be taken out. The church will not experience the great tribulation to be taken out of this um, world. And Christ will come after the great tribulation to come and reign um, over the nations of the world. And um, here, this is the mountain of the Lord's house. So this represents um, Christ actually coming down to actually reign. Uh, it's speaking of a day uh, that's in the future. 
um, you know, when Jerusalem is actually taken out of here, like when the church is actually taken out of um, of um, of the earth, um, which can be referred to um, if we go to Revelations chapter 13, verse 1, which says, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on its horns ten crowns, and on its heads a blasphemous name. So um, this looks at, you know, a time of the great tribulation when the church is actually taken out. So here it says, now I shall come, now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mount and then the Lord will come. This is um, talking about, you know, the last days is the beginning of the tribulation and the end of the tribulation is the coming of Christ. So, um, verse three, uh, reads, um, many people shall come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of, of the Lord and the house of the God of Jacob. And, um, he will teach us and sorry, it says, and he will teach us his ways and he shall walk in his paths for out of zion shall go forth the law and the word of the lord from jerusalem so here um you know israel is going to be um you know both uh government and religious center um of the lord of the world this is where it's going to be established because this is the place that um, god has actually chosen so uh for out of zion shall go forth the law so this is going to be um you know where God is actually going to set up his um, government, his, his, his political and um, religious center. So, um, so you know, it's, there's going to be a period, um, you know, where God is actually going to reign and it's going to be a reign of, um, of God's judgment, uh, of judgment rather. So um, verse 4 reads, He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords um, into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks nations shall not lift up swords against nations neither shall they learn war anymore so you know upon the reign of the lord here on earth we shall know peace because our god is a god of peace you know man cannot bring peace on earth no matter how many uh, organizations man tries to establish the united nations the peace corps you know all these organizations that have been actually established and put here on earth to try and bring peace but if there's evil in man's heart we will never experience peace but there will come a time when god will reign um here on earth um, his kingdom will be here on earth. His political and religious um, centers will be here on earth. And that is when we shall experience peace. So, um, verse 5 goes on to say, O house of Jacob, come and let us walk um, in the light of the Lord. So, today, we should walk in the light of the Lord. And um, the Lord, um, and that's the only way we can actually experience peace. Because the Lord God is the Prince of Peace. Um... So verse six um, goes on to read, um, "For you have spoke, for you have forsaken your people, the house of Jacob, because you are filled with um, eastern ways." So eastern ways, this is like um, you know from Persia and um, the Philistines. So um, they are soothsayers like the Philistines, and they are pleased with the children of foreigners. Their land is also full of silver and gold, and there is no end to their treasures. Their land is also full of horses, and there is no end to their chariots. Their land is also full of idols. They worship um, 
they work of they, they worship the work of their own hands that which their own fingers have made people bow down and each man humbles himself therefore uh, do not forgive them um, enter into the rock and hide in the dust for from the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty the lofty looks of man shall be humbled so here God is talking about um you know um you know when he comes um man shall be humbled so um you know upon nations upon um upon society upon military god will will put will place judgment upon different nations uh, society military commerce upon governments um so god they will be judgment upon all these things during the reign of god and um people will be humbled nations will be humbled so um the Lord will be exalted when he actually comes to reign. So um, verse 11 goes on to read, The lofty looks of man shall be humbled. The haughtiness of man shall be bowed down, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. Um, for the day of the Lord of hosts shall come upon everything proud and lofty, upon uh, everything lifted up, and it shall be brought low upon all the setters of Lebanon um, that are high and lifted up up um up and upon all the oaks of bashan upon all the high mountains of the, and upon all the hills of um the upon all the hills that are lifted up upon every high tower and upon every fortified wall upon all the ships of tarnish or tarshish sorry and upon the beauty sloops um, the loftiness of man shall be bowed down. So, you know, everything is going to be bowed down, um, you know, upon the Lord. Everything that we exalt as man, you know, um, you know, because man has left out God, um, um, you know, in everything. Um, today he is left out of everything, but, um, you know, everything that uh, was high up there will be brought down by the Lord. So verse 18, going to read, but the idols shall be utterly abolished so um here he's talking about false religion false religion shall be utterly destroyed and abolished so um scripture goes on to read verse 19 they shall go into the halls of the rock and into the caves of the earth from the terror of the lord and the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake the earth mightily in the day a man will cast away his idols of silver and his idols of gold and they uh, made each for himself to worship to the malls and bats so you know um everything that we hold and exalt in high esteem um you know man shall throw away you know in the day when christ shall is is gonna reign you know peace is gonna reign we'll be able to walk um you know with um without any fear or looking over our shoulder um because no nation shall rise against nations you know um the you know, swords and guns and everything will um, will be put into the plowshares. So, um, verse twenty two goes on to read: Serve yourselves from such a man whose breath is in his nostrils. For of what account is he? So, you know, the message is: Do not put your confidence in man. Put your confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. So today, my main take is always have confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ because the Lord 
will come upon and humble everything that man holds dearly, holds high up there, you know. He has he has actually said it, um, you know, upon high towers and upon every fortified wall and upon the ships of Tarshish and upon the beauty of sloops, the loftiness of man shall be bowed down. So, you know, today, know Christ and put your confidence in, in, um, in um, Christ Jesus um, and not your confidence in man. Um, because only Christ Jesus can bring the peace um, that we so hope for uh, and long for on earth today. So yeah, this is today's teaching. Thank you all for listening and have a pleasant Friday. God bless and bye-bye.